glad to be here. It's good to see some old friends. And uh, who was here last time I was here? Anybody? Wow, is it all that new? Okay, it's been a few years, but... Well, this is like literally my most favorite church in America. No, really, I don't like go around saying that every church I preach at. I really love this place. I was sitting in the back during worship, and I was like, man, I wish they could just come to Kansas City. Or maybe the Lord's like, you need to go to Dallas. But as, <laughs> but uh, we were in a little thing about that for a while, but it didn't end up happening. But uh, no, it's just, I love you guys so much, and I just think all of you should pack the system up, everyone in here, and you guys should just... Bring it to Dallas. John, bring the business to Dallas, and let's just let's start Storehouse Kansas City. How about it? And I'll be a part of it. How about that? So uh, anyways, I'll, I'll give you guys like a five to ten minute update of what the heck I'm doing, what the Lord's doing in just what's happening at IHOP, different things, and then I'm going to jump in. I'm exploding with nine different things on the inside right now, mainly all revolving around revival, and uh, I'm just excited. We live in the hardest and greatest time of human history. It's not an easy time to live, but it's the greatest time, I believe, ever in human history. I really believe I'm not being IHOP end time hypey. I really believe, you know, it's like, because, you know, I'm an IHOP guy, so of course he's going to talk about the end times. No, really, I really believe, biblically, if you study your Bible, the storyline is unfolding, and I think Jesus really is coming soon, and I wouldn't be shocked if it's in a lot of ours lifetime. And so, um, so it's a great and terrible, it's, what do they call it? The great and the terrible day of the Lord, but the kingdom exploits that God is about to release, he is releasing, but that I believe are, have been birthed for years through fasting and prayer about to explode. And I think the second, first and second great awakening, I mean, it's amazing stuff that happened. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I believe what we're coming into, man, it's going to be amazing. And so we live in a good time. Um, so I come to you guys from Kansas City, Missouri. How many of you guys know about IHOP? I'm sure there's not a single person who doesn't. Um, I've been on staff at IHOP now for close to six and a half years um, and just going after Jesus. Uh, I did a year of IHOP U. Um, actually, James, wave your hand. This is my buddy, James. James and I did, when I moved to Kansas City, I was like six months old in Jesus. I'll be, I'll be seven years old in the Lord in about a week and a half from now. And uh, I moved to Kansas City just on fire for God, wanting to do his works. And James was in my internship. And so we really haven't hung out since that day. And so James is doing stuff in YWAM here in Texas. And so God's just doing a lot of good stuff. But while I was at IHOP, I, I was a crazy drug addict, drug dealer before I was saved, went to prison when I was 17. Crazy, radical testimony. And I got radically saved and I've never looked back. And it'll be seven years and a week and a half. And, and I've been at IHOP probably 95% of my whole entire walk with the Lord. And so I'm ruined for anything else but going hard after God. And I don't really like using the word radical because there's, there's just Christianity in the Bible and then there's less than. And, you know, we call it radical because we're so lukewarm, just to be honest. The American church is so lukewarm that someone who's kind of on fire is radical, you know, and, uh, and so there are, there's no such thing as radical. There's biblical Christianity, and then there's less than, you know, and so, but just, I'm just wrecked for going after God and fasting and prayer and just that whole concept that Mike and the leaders have just instilled in my heart. And even, I'm just even having a revival in my own heart. I've been telling a lot of people, I feel like for the first time in six years, I understand IHOP and I understand the prayer movement and I understand the why behind it. Theologically, I could tell you about the Tabernacle of David. I could tell you that we're kings and priests. I could tell you all of those things. But I've always been like, I'm just an evangelist in the house of prayer. That's like always been my thing. Like, I don't really know why I'm here. I just, God wants me to pray. God's raising up evangelists who pray. So I'm not an intercessor. Don't, I'm not that, but I'm an evangelist. You know, but the Lord has kind of changed my perspective of just who we are first. 
you know, and I'm like throwing away the evangelist thing. I hate even being called that anymore. I'm just like, listen, I'm 26 years old. God, I don't want to be called anything. I just want to be a Christian and, you know, whatever. And so, uh, but at IHOP, God's doing a lot of amazing things. Um, inside of IHOP, we have our evangelism ministry that I've helped give leadership in different facets for the last six years. And it's crazy what God's doing. We've had an explosion in the last three years of a just healing and signs and wonders and just, I mean, we've seen thousands upon, I mean, we're literally, I mean, Hal, my boss, he's amazing because he loves to keep track. He's a stats guy. So like he tells all of us outreach leaders, like do your best to like get the group to remember how many people they witnessed to. And it's really fun because at the end of the year you go, holy smokes, like, you know, when, when you're going out with three people and you think it's ineffective and you talk to five people at the mall, you add that up over a year time span, you're like, holy crap, we just witnessed the gospel to like 5,000 people this year. Amazing. You know what I mean? And, and we're seeing literally over 1,000 people healed on the streets a year, um, hundreds of people saved. It's really amazing. And God's just doing lots of cool, cool things. Actually, um, ha has any of you guys ever heard of the Love Your City movement? Like Love New York, Love LA. Some of you guys know about that. Okay. Well, Love New York started last night. There's about 750 people, 200 from IHOP came for this. And it launched last night at six o'clock and they're going 24 seven evangelism with 24 seven prayer for seven days in the heart of New York City. I fly out Wednesday to, to join them for the last three days. And I, they had over a hundred people saved at a gay pride event last night. Come on, Jesus. Hundred people saved. And down in, in Times Square last night at a gay pride rally for Halloween last night. And so God's just doing amazing things. And we're excited about this convergence of literal, I'm not kidding, 24-7 evangelism. Uh, we would love to see it go forever, 365, but we're just experimenting. And we're, we have a good friend in Minneapolis who's helping birth this thing. And he's traveling all over the nation and getting churches excited. And so we have about 80 churches in New York City that are like, we're doing this. And so the House of Prayer in Manhattan, right on Fulton Street, um, which is uh, just right by the World Trade Center. They have, it's the Justice House of Prayer. They're, they're, they're hosting the, what we call the Firebase, and they're doing the 24-7 prayer. And then in the back rooms, they have all these back rooms, that's where the evangelists are being sent. Every th they're, they're doing six-hour time blocks, and we're just going for it. And so they're, they're, they're going after it in 24-7 prayer for the city while the evangelists are on the streets reaping the very prayers that are happening all at the same time. And it's really, really exciting. And so we're excited about God doing that. Amen. <laughs> so be praying for New York City because God's just going to blow this place open for Jesus. We're doing all kinds of outreaches. Um, there's, there, listen to this. Right now in New York City, there's night and day open air preaching for seven days on Wall Street happening right now. Yeah, that's one of the outreaches. Um, we have people doing 24-7 bus church where people are standing up and open air preaching on the bus for two minutes and then we're praying for the sick and taking over the subways and it's, it's a lot. Of, it's really, really cool. So I was just there last weekend helping mobilize some churches. And so I get to go back Wednesday uh, and, and, and fully in, engage in it. So hallelujah. Um, so that's what's going on at IHOP. We're just, uh, we're staying steady. You know, we're staying steady and we're, the prayer room hasn't stopped. The fire on the altar hasn't left. And uh, us, uh, us guys who are giving ourselves to evangelism at the House of Prayer are really just dreaming about this 24-7 thing. And so we're actually, another cool thing we're doing is we've launched a thing called the Kansas City Evangelist Fellowship because my spiritual father's name's Hal Linhart. He's the director of evangelism at IHOP. He's pastored several churches in Kansas City for years. And he has a mandate on his life to pastor evangelists. And he's been an evangelist for years and years and years. And so he knows the ins and outs of what it means to be one. And just the, sometimes evangelists can have a hard time submitting themselves to, you know, a whatever. And so we've created a landing pad for them 
that meets on Wednesday nights and Thursday mornings. And it's basically a church service for people that love evangelism, you know? And so we've, we've launched this thing and we're seeing a lot of people from the city being involved and just getting filled up. And then we're saying, don't be a part of IHOP. Go back to your churches in Kansas City and submit to your pastor and be an evangelist at the church and really begin to walk in what you're called to do, you know? And so it's a lot of fun. So I'm gonna pray and I'm just gonna share my heart with you guys, okay? Amen. So Father, I thank you for Storehouse. God, I just thank you for this place where your presence is amazing, where your people are hungry, where you have leaders, Lord, who are fixed in the heavenly places and not on the things of the earth. Father, I thank you that Tracy and John would rather be in heaven than a strategy meeting of how to grow their church. <laughs> Seriously. Guys, I see some goofy stuff with my travels in the churches they go to. So I just thank, what a breath of fresh air, Jesus. We just thank you that you're drawing the hungry to this place, Lord. And I ask that you would just continue to truly make this place a storehouse, God. A storehouse within the coming storms, God. And, and just all the things you're calling this place to, God. So I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have been burning for revival for since August, really. Um, how many of you know revival is the hypey thing to say? Yeah. Caleb's saying it, everyone's saying it, everyone's talking about revival, right? Well, when you study revival, it's a little different than what we think it is, you know? And I've been on this journey of studying revival, I mean, really, really like daily digging in, reading biographies, finding out what God's done over the last two, 200 years, whatever. And I am gripped. The Lord, I, I came into, I had a crazy thing happened to me at this very time last year in LA. I almost died in a hospital in LA. Wild demonic assignment against my life. It was really intense. It was really serious and it was wild. And, and I had an angel heal me on day, well, God healed me, but an angel of the Lord visited me on day four in the hospital and I got supernaturally healed and I mean, blew the doctor's minds. Amazing story. But that moment put a sobriety in me that I in a whole level that I've never had before. Because even though I'm thankful that God healed me, when you are at that level of sickness on your deathbed, a you know, healthy 25-year-old, you start asking real questions. Lord, why? That's a good question to ask. Why did this happen to me? Your sovereign God, why did you allow it? I mean, come on. I, I'm not saying God puts sickness on us, and I'm not, you know, but, but the reality is, is God is more powerful than the devil. He's in control. And when we get hit with these things, we gotta ask real questions. Lord, are you allowing this? Like, is, are you trying to show me something? I thank you for visiting me and healing me, but man. And so the Lord began to talk to me about just some own, my own things in my life, no hidden sin, nothing like that, but stuff that I've been struggling with ever since I've been saved. And just the Lord going, listen, Josh, like the, I'm, I'm trying to raise up messengers in this hour and you can't sin. I mean, we're going to all, you know, mess up here and there, but like you can't have habitual struggling issues. Josh, the devil's trying to kill you and he's trying to kill the body of Christ because he knows his time is short. I've heard people, I've, I've heard of people say, I think the devil's so prideful he's just deceived and doesn't know that Jesus is coming back to win. No, I think, I think the devil knows he's going to lose. And so I think he's kicking up the heat because he knows his time is short and he knows Jesus really is coming back and Acts 2 revival really is coming. So therefore, the, because we live, you guys didn't get to choose to live in the time you live in, God did. 
And so whether you like it or not, you can't live like Christians did 100 years ago because the time frame of history is much different and the warfare, and I'm not walking around being devil conscience and all oh, the spirit of this is over this city. And, you know, I hate that stuff. I go to cities and I always have somebody. Dude, there's a Leviathan in that city. I'm just like, whatever, maybe you're right, but I don't think like that. I'm not devil conscience, but I do know that he is watching my every move 24-7 and he's continually throwing things in front of me that if I don't stay sober and I don't stay understanding that any small distraction could be five years down the road from now, my total failure. If I don't live in that realm all the time of saying, Jesus, it's you and you alone. If I start giving myself to things, if I start getting more excited about things than Jesus, if there's anything in my life that I spend more time on and that I get more excited about than communing with Jesus, that could be my failure three years from now. And we live in a very sober time where he is trying to destroy us as Christians. He's trying really hard. Now, we don't have, now we're victorious Christians, so we don't have to live a life where we're like always, you know, man, warfare, dude, man, pray for me. I'm always under the attack. It's like, why are you always under attack? If you were living holy and righteous, you wouldn't be under attack. I mean, yeah, things come our way, but really we, we have the victory. Jesus in me is so much greater than the devil, but don't get lazy. Don't get lazy. Don't fall in love with sports more than you do Jesus. Don't fall in love with movies. Don't give yourself to things that are sowing into you because what does it say in Galatians? God will not be mocked. You sow into your flesh, you're going to reap in your flesh. Destruction. And we are living a very sobering time where we have a small window of time to just win the world for Jesus and be fully possessed by him. And I'm not pulling the full-time ministry card. I get it. Most of you in this room work a 50-hour-a-week job, and you're like, well, what does that look like for me? It looks like praying in tongues on the way to work and witnessing to your waiter and, and, loving, your, and loving your waitress. And when you're out at the grocery store with your wife and kids, you pray for people. And you live a life of communion with Jesus and, you, and, you get, and you're faithful with your assignment. That's what it looks like. It's that easy. Turn your radio off and why don't you pray on your way to work? Because I know you're too tired. You don't have time to get up to spend time with the Lord because you got to go to work and you're exhausted. And the Lord gets that. So pray in tongues on the way to work. It's that simple. People are like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with just all this stuff. It's like, dude, pray in tongues on the way to work and meditate on scriptures while you're working all day and tell your, tell your friend that Jesus loves him. And when you go out to dinner with your wife tonight, pray for your waitress and you're going to be doing just fine. And as I, but guys, I'm, I'm so excited because God's doing so many amazing things, but I'm, you guys are real, so I can just talk real. I'm pissed off at the body of Christ and the foolishness that we're walking in. Foolishness. And maybe half of you in the room are probably in the very foolishness that I'm talking about. We're in love with the things of the world. We're in love with the new thing. We're in love when we just, we're so possessed by the things of the world and we wonder why our lives are in turmoil. Guys, God is raising up warriors. I've been, this, there's been this thing that's been messing me up lately. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, it talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, every single one of you, saved or not, are destined for eternity. Eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. And you live in this small window of life where most people, you know, get saved, what, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, some older, whatever. Point being is when you really get lit up for Jesus, you got about a 30-year window of your life, whatever, to fulfill what it is that God has called you to. 
and then that's it and you die. Well, your body dies, but your spirit doesn't. And then when you go to heaven, you're not going to get this opportunity again. Not that this opportunity is better than heaven. Of course not. But listen, you have a 30-year window of all of eternity, trillions and trillions of years, to apply. This book right here is written for a 30-year time window of all of eternity of your life. Isn't that wild? We have 30 years, that's it, 30, 40, whatever years to do whatever we can to impact the kingdom of heaven and put as strong of a dent as we can to hell. And that's, that's our assignment. And you have a small window of time and before you know it, you're gonna be, well, I'm 26. So before you know it, I'm gonna be 30. Before I know it, I'm gonna be 40. Before I know it, I'm gonna be 50, 60, 70. And if I get in these stupid funks for eight, nine, 10 years, I'm gonna look back and go, what in the world was wrong with me? What, okay, somebody, somebody offended me. So I let that go for nine years and I wasted nine precious years, 10% of my entire life. Wasted. Day, guys, we have these wind, small window of time to impact the world for Jesus, and he needs us too, because the Jesus said, Matthew 7, narrow is the path to the kingdom, and there's very few who will find it. There's not many doing anything for Jesus. Few will find it. Do you think that counts for every church on every corner in Dallas, Texas? Probably not. There's more churches in Dallas, Texas than gas stations. So do you think that there were all the narrow that Jesus is talking about? No, probably 5% of each one, if that. God needs you. If you have an ache in your heart to live holy, if you have an ache in your heart to have a relationship with Jesus beyond church on Sunday morning, if you have an ache in your heart to want to reach people for Jesus, if you have an ache in your heart to want to do something for the Lord, you are rare. You're very rare, and I believe that's the seal the Lord has put on you, so take it very serious. Call me legalistic, call me religious, but the music, the movies, the stuff that is not glorifying the Lord, WWJD, let's put the bracelets back on, and would God sit in the living room with you and watch UFC and watch people beat their faces in bloody for fun? Probably not. And I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I have this personal thing against UFC. I just, just came to my mind as I was talking. But the things that we do day in and day out, would Jesus sit with you and go, yeah, no way. He's up in the middle of the night praying. He's fasting 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. He didn't have time to play games. And the disciples did play games and they all denied him on that day. And, and they all praised God, the Lord, you know, had mercy on them and they all did great exploits and wrote our Bible. But, but what I'm saying is, is we don't have time to play and we don't have excuses like the disciples did because we have everything for us ready to go. We have a Bible that they didn't. We have years of advancement in the church that they didn't. We got Bill Johnson. We got Todd White. We got Tracy Eckert and John Eckert. We got everything in front of us. We got David Hogan. We got Jeff Jansen. We got people in front of us that are walking stuff out that we can look to. We have no excuse. We got Mike Bickle. We got people that are really doing real and amazing things for the Lord. We have no excuse. 
And God is really seriously, no hype attached, going to send the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit our nation has ever seen. And news flash for you, the greatest trials our nation has ever seen are coming right alongside of it. Look at me right now. If you don't believe this, I'm scared for you. Because real crisis down to the food that's on your dinner plate are going to be challenged coming soon. And when you don't eat for five days because of a famine on the earth, watch how wicked you get. <laughs> In the midst of a revival, there is real shaking coming to our nation. If you don't believe me, I'm really scared for you. And I'm not saying let's live a fearful, scared life. I have nothing but fun. I was telling James, my ministry philosophy is 90% fun and games and 10, only serious when we have to be which is a lot, we have to be serious a lot. But my ministry philosophy is let's have fun. We got off the plane, first thing we do is go have coffee and then Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> Who's been to Texas? Who's been to Texas Day Brazil? So we're having a blast and we're having a great time in Dallas and we're drinking coffee and we're, we're having fun in Dallas. But when it's time to get serious, it's time to get serious. And, I'm, and I had, had no intentions of preaching on anything I'm saying right now, but it's probably the Lord. <laughs> Seriously, guys. The world is not that cool. Sports isn't very cool. Nothing's really that cool. My uncle Bob played in the NFL. My dad's in the Hall of Fame for college football. I grew up playing sports, every sport, varsity athlete coming into freshman high school. I get it. I was an athlete, but it's really not that cool. We're watching the game last night, and I'm not against watching the game, but we were at, we were at Georgia's house, wave Georgia. We stay at her house when we come here. She's, got, she's amazing. She ironed my shirt for me this morning. Because <laughs> I'm really bad at ironing shirts. You give me that iron, I will, I will iron the gnarliest crease in a shirt you've ever seen. So, I, so Georgia helped me this morning. But, you know, we were watching the game last night, and, you know, New York lost and whatever. I don't care. I'm not from Kansas City. So I still have that sports chip in me where I can't convert over, even though I've lived there for six years now. It's like I can't. You know, I got to stay loyal to Michigan teams, right? So I don't really care, honestly, who's in the, in the World Series right now. But we were watching last night, and it's just like you watch these people in the crowd. You know, New York, they're in New York right now. They lost last night, so the crowd's zooming in on the sorrow. You know, and you got these people, like, with their head buried. And I'm sitting there watching, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. Like, and I'm not being religious. This is just where I live. Guys, I'm so possessed by Jesus that I, when I go to a Royals game, I'm overwhelmed by the people that are going to hell instead of the game. I'm sitting in a crowd of 10,000 people, and I'm just like, man, this is cool. The game's happening, but all of these people don't even know Jesus. I mean, really, you know, that's just, that's just where I'm at. And it's not because I'm an evangelist. It's just, I'm just so possessed by God and his ways. And, and I'm just, we're watching the game last night, and they're zooming in on these, these sorry New York fans. And I'm watching them, and I'm like, dude, this really is going to alter their week. Like, this really is going to, like, cause them to go home and have a fight with their wife. Like, this really is. And I'm just watching it, and I'm just like, and Christians, I'm, I'm sure. You know, and I'm just watching it, and I'm just like, man, like, we don't have time for this. Those are the thoughts I was sitting on, on George's couch last night. I was, on, I was FaceTiming with my wife, like, saying this stuff to her on FaceTime. You know, and I'm just like, man, I just can't. Dude, the, the, the time is so short. And if you guys just... Get on fire for God. And what I mean by that is just spending time with him. And, and sometimes we are so far from that that when we try to do it, we're hard as a rock. But if you can just stay faithful and do it purely based because you know you're supposed to, God will break through that rock and you will begin to just experience him again and you'll start to fall in love with the Bible and you'll go, well, the Bible is really real. <laughs> 
you know, I'm just like in this season, the Lord, the Lord, I, I was going off about the LA thing and that took me into being sober for the Lord. Remember, that was, let's just go back to the story. Remember I was in LA and the whole thing happened to me. So I got the sobriety in my heart and that, that led me to the last 20 minutes I just said. So I was like, Lord, you know, what do I do? I was like, Lord, like, what do I do? Like, this was serious and I almost died. And the Lord's like, Josh, you have to be so serious. And he told me, so I was like, what do I do? And so like a week and a half later, I'm in Michigan and I'm, and I'm at the, speaking at this church, or whatever. And I'm laying in bed this one night at the place I was staying, and it was like midnight, and I'm like having this talk with the Lord. Like I just was in the hospital a week ago. You know, like my lung is still like not working, and like it was crazy. And I'm like, I'm like really having a hard time preaching during this season of life. It was like a three year, three minute or three uh, month window where I just my lung was full of all this fluid still. Even though the Lord healed me, there was this kind of this thing left. And so I'd be preaching, and I'd be, you know, and I'd just be huffing, I'd be hooping, you know, and. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and, I, and the Lord spoke to me this one night at like midnight. How many of you, I hear the Lord best when I'm like half asleep because I, my brain's finally shut off, you know? And I, he says, fast 21 days in January. And I'm like, okay, darn it. <laughs> you know? And so leading up to that, I have about a month to prepare for this 21 day fast. And the Lord is just talking to me about this fast. And he started talking to me about just like, Joel 2 and like what we do in the time of crisis and just like call a sacred assembly, call a fast, you know, all of these things. And I'm in this season of processing things and, and then the Lord's just like putting in my heart. You know, you know, you know when you say stuff, but you know it's the Lord that's speaking through you. And I'm like saying this stuff in my personal time. I'm like, Lord, you said that in the time of crisis, we respond in Joel 2, but Lord, you, we, only, we can only do what you give us grace for. So therefore you must be giving us grace to fast in this season. You know, I'm just like, cause I'm like prepping myself, you know, I'm going into this fast and I'm like, Lord, you would never call us to fast if, you, if, if we didn't have grace for it. And so I'm like feeling this goodness of the Lord. Cause we're like, it's Joel 2, crap, we gotta go for it. You know, but the Lord's like, no, I'm a good father and I'm gonna pour out the grace on your life to enjoy Joel 2. It's happy holiness. It's not, it's happy holiness. It's like, okay. And, you know, and so I come, and so I come into this fast and I do it and I do this 21 day fast. And man, the Lord dropped a sobriety in my heart in January during that fast that I've been carrying all year in all year. I've been on this assignment of warning the church and telling them to prepare for what's coming down to the nitty gritty of stocking up on stuff. Call me weird, but no, really. You know what I mean? Down to the nitty gritty of just like, hey, listen, we have a window of time. Like if you knew that chicken breasts were never gonna be available again in two months, you go to the grocery store and you'd buy chicken breasts, right? It's not really that mystical or prepper weird end time stuff. It's like, hey, no, there's really stuff coming. So hey, start making some decisions now, you know? And I'm just talking about this stuff and I'm just like, but I know, but in my spirit, I'm burning for revival. The Lord's like, we'll get there but I want you to tell the people there's real stuff coming. Well, then I kind of, August came around of this year and that's when like it's flipped. And the Lord's like, okay, you've, you've done your job. You've done stuff. You've been, you've been telling the people whatever. Now I want you to go after me and really believe and just fill your heart with this reality that in the midst of all of this, you have a great promise that in the last days says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. And we, we can go on, right? Isaiah 60, right? Deep and gross darkness covering the earth, but arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And so I begin to just, this whole, this last like five months or whatever, I've been just feasting on revival history. I've been listening to every God's general Robert Learden teaching I can get on YouTube. You guys ever watch his stuff where he just sits and talks about revivalists? 
and I'm just like getting lit up for William Branham's life and I'm getting lit up for, you know, going back way, way further, Jeremiah Lampier and, you know, and just all these different people, Finney and Nash and all the different people and my heart is beginning to get burning and I'm going, oh my gosh, Lord, you have given us this blueprint of what revival has looked like in the past and I'd be a fool to not honor my fathers of the past and think that a revival is gonna come any other way than it has throughout history. You know what I mean? And, and, I begin to, and I begin to study, you know, the 1857 revival on Fulton Street, which is where we're hosting 24-7 prayer this week, where Jeremiah Lampier in New York City calls the noon prayer meeting. He, he, he gives himself as a missionary to Manhattan. And in 1857, in a Dutch Reformed church on Fulton Street, he started a noon prayer meeting that the Holy Spirit fell on. Over 150 churches in New York City started noon prayer meetings. They went all over the nation. And for six months, the nation began to shake as noon prayer meetings were the normal. They, in some of the, in some of the stuff I've read, most of New York City businesses were always closed during lunchtime because of the prayer meeting. And people were coming to the prayer meeting and listen to this, the Holy Spirit fell and 10,000 were saved a week in New York City. This is real stuff. This isn't hype. 10,000 saved a week in New York City. And it said that over 80% of New York City was new, or 80% of New York City's population was brand new converts during this time. Stories are off the chart stories, stories where the ships would come into New York City and the whole, these, these, these workships would come into New York City and at the hundred mile radius of coming to New York City, the fear of the Lord would fall on the ships and they'd all fall to their knees with no minister and repent of their sins. And they would come to the, they'd come to the shoreline and this, began to come, this, became, this became a known thing. And ministers, listen to this, they, so it became like, hey, this is happening. So ministers started standing at the shoreline and waiting for ships to come in and ship after ship after ship same story. At the 100-mile marker when we were coming to New York City, the fear of the Lord fell in our, in our ship and we all got saved. Crazy stuff. Finney came in during this time. This is where we hear about Finney's life. And, and he, had his, he had Daniel Nash and Abel Clary and they would fast. They would come into New York City and they would rent out these musty basements and they'd fast and pray for 40 days. They would come in, they would come with no money, no nothing, just water, and they would fast 40 days and they would, they, their lives were marked by travail because the people's places that they were staying at were friends with Finney and they'd be writing letters to Finney saying, these people that you have staying in our basement, are they okay? They're screaming and wailing in the basement like someone's murdering them. And he'd write them back letters and say, oh, it's just travail. Don't worry about it. And then he would come into the cities and because of their fasting and prayer. And as I begin to just study revival history, Count Zinzendorf and just all of the different revivals, I'm going, oh my gosh, these were marked by fasting and prayer. And the Lord began to put in my DNA for the first time in all, I've been at IHOP for six years, serving the ministry faithfully. And for the first time in six years this year, I was like, I get it. I get it. There really is, in Revelation it says, there really is a bowl in heaven. And that bowl really is full of the prayers of the saints. And then it says that literally that bowl will be poured out on the earth and every prayer that was, has ever been prayed will be manifested on the earth. And I begin to get this vision every time that I say a five second prayer for Kansas City. Every time I'm driving down Main Street and I just simply am thinking about the lost or something and I go, Lord, I ask you, that you would break out with historic revival in this city, in Jesus' name. That quick five-second prayer is now, and it's in that bowl in heaven, and it says in Revelation, and it says in Revelation that that bowl will be poured out on our nation. Who believes it? 
If you don't, then you don't read your Bible. Or if you're a preterist and you think it already was fulfilled, error. Major, major deception. Don't drink from that crap. It has not been fulfilled yet. If so, then why is our nation so whacked out and why is Planned Parenthood selling baby parts? I don't think it's already happened or else Jesus is really doing a poor job of what should be happening if it's already been fulfilled in AD 70. We're re- Jesus really isn't that cool then. <laughs> if it all was fulfilled in AD 70, then Jesus really isn't very cool and we are really far behind and maybe God really isn't all that powerful then. I mean, really, that's where you gotta go with this stuff. Theologically, it's like, Get out of this nonsense. Why do we believe this stuff? What? Okay, so if it all happened in 8070, then where's the millennial reign? Where's that at? Oh, should be here. No, guys, it's really coming. Book of Revelation really is going to happen. And you know that we're not just going to get raptured out of here before it all happens. We get to be a part of it. Yay! (laughs) And so I've been going to churches this year. Oh, well, in the last like three months, and I've been calling people into a 20-day challenges. And you guys are a house of prayer. So, you know, I, a lot of times I don't preach at house of prayers. House of prayers think I'm weird. Most house of prayers think I'm really mystical and funny because I see God stick quarters on the wall and stuff. And you just, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You know, it's just, I don't know what's, I don't know what it is, man, but I just have fun. I'm like Tracy. Let's go to heaven. If gems want to fall in the meeting, amen. If our teeth want to turn gold, let's do it. If God wants to drop spaghetti in the room, let's go. Let's have spaghetti, you know? I'm just, let's have fun. Let's not be limited. Well, is that biblical, brother? Listen, is it pointing to Jesus? Is it making you not be holy? Okay, if it's, not, if it's making us not be holy, then okay, let's have a talk, okay? Anyways, what am I saying? Why did I go there? <sighs> spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti, I already went somewhere. 80, 70, it's coming. Yeah, anyways, God is, oh, I've been calling the church to 20 days. That's what it is. I've been calling the church to 20-day assignments of I dare you and I challenge you on your drive to work to pray for your city. Ten-second prayers. Pray for my city. God asked that you'd break in with power. And then I've been challenging people. If biblically... The Lord says, call a fast and pray when things are getting crazy, then that must mean God has grace on the body to fast. Well, the Lord told me he, there was grace on the body to fast, but I wanted to be careful because sometimes as prophetic people, we get a lot of personal stuff and sometimes we have to be careful that we don't release personal prophetic words over the body and then put someone in our season when that's not the corporate thing. And I'm very careful. I'm 26 years old. I'm 26 years old. I got to be careful. Uh Uh-oh, someone's like, I do that all the time. I do it all the time. No, I do it all the time. I make my wife feel horrible all the time. I'm like, honey, Facebook, we're done with it. You know, and just like, you know, whatever. um, But uh, so (laughs) let me record that and post that on Facebook. No, so... uh, so a little bit, but when I came into, um, when I came into that 21 day fast in January, I really felt like the Lord said, and I was careful to say it publicly. I felt like he said, I'm, I'm releasing Daniel 10 wars in the heaven over the body of Christ. And I am giving the body of Christ grace to fast to produce Daniel 10 wars in the heaven over America. And so all year, it's been a wild year of fasting for me. I just, I was actually, I was kind of flirting with, I tried to Tracy. She's like, we're doing lunch. I'm like, I think I'm going to be fasting, you know, but I ended up the Lord, the Lord, the Lord told me to stop. But anyway, so just, I know, and in my own personal life, I've watched it manifest, and I've been challenging people. 
I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, there's grace to fast in this season. Do it, I dare you. Challenge me. Challenge me, bro, and, and, and commit the next four days to not eating and watch. You watch. And, I, and, I, and I've had tons of people that have said, okay, I'm gonna challenge you on this, Josh. And they're like, whoa, there was serious grace there. Yeah, of course, we're a little hungry, but like, whoa. I just came off of a long distance fast a week ago and I had so much energy. I feel like crap now that I'm off the fast. I'm like tired and stuff. Like no naps. My wife, dude, I mean, this, this is when you know it's supernatural. My wife goes, I just kind of want you to starve yourself for the rest of your life because you're nicer. <laughs> it was the other way around. It's the other way around for me. On these fasts, I'm like, I'm like doing the dishes. I'm cleaning the house. I'm scrubbing the toilets. I'm just full of all this energy. I'm cooking dinner every night for the family while I'm fasting, you know? And she's like, Josh. And I'm like, honey, I'm telling you, this is real and the grace is really there for the body. And so I've been calling people into it. So I challenge you guys, try it out. I'm not saying, I'm calling you. No, that's the pastor's job. I'm not calling you to a corporate fast. What I'm saying is, try it out, challenge me. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, why not? Fast, see what happens. And while you're fasting, cry out to God. And I'm telling you that as, the, as, as we begin to fast, and as we begin to pray, I'm telling you the earth is shaking and it's being weighed in scales. I believe we're being weighed in scales. And as the body of Christ responds and begins to really do something with their lives more than just go to church on Sunday and just be or whatever that means, let's really do something. Let's not just, we're just I'm just being. Well, how, about we, how about you actually be something and do something? Yes, Christ abides in us all the time. That's awesome. But why don't we go pray for someone to be healed today? Why don't we go give money to somebody? Why don't we... You know, why don't we do something? Why don't we, why don't we take care of the, or, the, uh, the orphans? Why don't we go rake someone's lawn? Why don't we actually be something, you know? And I love, I love Tracy brought up John 3, 16 because I was preaching that all last year. I was preaching for God so loved that he gave all last year because the Lord began to rock my theology on evangelism. And it's like, if you're not gonna like fully, every person that you talk to on the street, if you're not willing to lay your life down for them right here, right now, and forsake whatever you have to do in two hours, then you don't really love them. And I begin to just give people radical money and, and giving waitresses ridiculous tips and just beginning to do those kind of things. And even, and even um, on Friday, we were in Denton, Texas. And uh, we, were, we were wandering around this area called the square because we had like 30 minutes to kill before we were going to go have Thai food. And this guy, so we're crossing this street in downtown Denton, right? We're crossing this street. This is on Friday. And this guy comes up next to us who's waiting to cross with us. And he's in a t-shirt. And it was kind of cold out. And I look over at him and he's got like serious goosebumps on his arms. He's cold, you know? And I look over at him and I'm like, bro, you look cold. And he goes, and he says the craziest thing. He goes, he goes, yeah, but it's, he said something like this. I don't remember a word for it, but he's like, yeah, it's really cold in prison. It's like 50 degrees in there. And I'm like, what did you just say? You know, it's so random, you know? And I look over him and I'm like, what, have you been in prison recently or something? This guy got out of jail five minutes ago. He has the bag of Lay's plain potato chips. And if you, I, I've been to prison and this sandwich, they, they leave you with a meal, you know, they bless you. They leave you with some chips and a sandwich. So he has the meal in his hand. He just walked out of jail. So it must be just, you know, half him out on the road. I don't know. And here he is. And I'm like, dude. And so I was like, oh my gosh, dude, let me tell you my story. And so we're walking with this guy and I start sharing with him, dude, I'm from Michigan, bro. And da, 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 da. And it's not a mistake that I randomly, dude, of all people you could have met, bro, five minutes out of jail, you met me, bro. I went to prison for selling drugs and da, 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 da. And he's like, you know, not, he didn't really know what to think. And I'm like, let's go, let's go get you something to eat, bro. And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm like, dude, you're, he's like, I got, I got the sandwich. And I'm like, dude, you're like, come on. If people don't, people, we don't trust, you know, our nation's so screwed up. Like we don't trust each other. 
This kid's 24 years old. And I'm like, no, for real, bro. Like, what would you rather have, chips or Thai? Like, you know? So we go to the Thai restaurant, because remember, we're like a half hour early. So we go sit down with this guy, and we're just trying to love on him and tell him about Jesus. And I'm like, listen, order whatever you want. He's like, I'll just get some soup. I'm like, come on, bro. What do you mean soup? (laughs) Eat something, bro. Money's not an issue. Buy whatever you want. So he gets some food, and and so we get it, we're getting it to go, and now he's going to leave and go walk to his girlfriend's apartment, I guess. This dude was a mess. He was really, he's a mess. So we got, long story short, he was driving a car. I think he had a flat tire. He was drinking and driving at a flat tire. He's trying to fix his tire, and the police pull up to help him. Oops. <laughs> you know, the police are doing a good job, but now they're going to arrest this guy for drinking and driving. And so, but he's really, like, tweaky. Like, I, I'm thinking he's on ass, or I think he, I'm thinking he's on speed or coke or something. He's like, He's kind of like this, you know, and I'm like, bro, what do you have? What's your deal? I called him out. I'm like, do you have, I'm like, do you, you, you struggle with anxiety or something? He's like, yeah. And he basically tells me he doesn't ever sleep. You don't sleep, you get weird. Yeah. No, really, people that don't sleep are weird. <laughs> no, it's sad. It's just demonic. It really is. And we need to sleep. It's, it's demonic to not sleep. Pray for me because I, here, here's my thing. I don't have insomnia. Okay. Here's, here's my deal. I don't have insomnia at all. Like, I don't, I don't like, I don't not sleep, but like, I'm physically exhausted, but I'm spinning here. You know, it's not, it's not a demonic thing. I just need to shut up my head. I can't, sometimes I have a hard time hearing God because like, I'm like snowboarding, skateboarding, basketball, football, food, what I talk, you know, it's like, I'm trying to spend time with the Lord and I'm just like, <laughs> some of it's God, some of it's not, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> and so, so sometimes I have to, you guys know what NyQuil is? So they sell this stuff called Z-Quil. And it's, it's the same thing as NyQuil, but doesn't have Tylenol on it. It's just all the ingredients to make you fall asleep. So I'll be honest, I take Z-Quil a lot, and I take melatonin. And it helps me slow down, and then I go to bed for the night. Anyways, are you guys okay? Am I just being reading real with you? You're going to pray for me. But I still get at least eight hours of sleep a night. I'm doing well. So check this out. So this guy, he's weird. He's crazy because he doesn't sleep. And so I'm like, let me give you a ride home. And he's like, or to this place you're going. He's like, oh, I'm okay. It's just a few blocks. I'm like, dude, you can trust us, bro. Like you're going to take walking in the cold in your t-shirt in the rain over a car. Like, well, you're not. And he's like, well, you know, whatever. So I'm like, dude, come on. What would you rather have for real? Like like, you can trust me. So he's like, okay. So I leave Nate because Nate's, Nate's, or the people are now coming. They've now, the people that we're supposed to have dinner with are showing up. See, I got, I got an assignment in front of me. You know what I mean? I got an assignment in front of me, and, and is my meeting with these two people more important than this guy right here? Absolutely not. We're going to meet and talk about God and how we want to reach the lost, and here's one right in front of us. You know what I mean? And so I leave with them, and we go walk to my car, and we're driving, and I'm just like, I know I got two minutes with this kid, and he's really demonic up here, and so I can't really get through really logically with him, but I'm just like, Jesus, and dude, God heals people, and I'm just trying to like wow him with God's cool, right? And we, so we pull in to the, 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 the apartment complex and I'm like, dude, I need to pray for you before you leave. And he's like, okay. So I pray a very, you know, God asked that you'd manifest your power on him and that you would just show him your love and encounter him in a dream, which God's going to hear all those prayers. And he will, because I'm his son and I'm a king and a priest before him. So he will answer those prayers. And so, but I'm just, you know, praying one of those prayers and he's like, okay, thanks. And then I feel like the Lord says to me, he's got physical issues. You need to pray for him. So I said, hey bro, I said, physically, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm okay. I'm like, no, really. I said, bro, God really heals people today. Like really, what's going on? And I knew the Lord was like saying back. And so without being too mystical, I was just like, do you, come on, do you have any back trouble or something? He's like, yeah, I do. So long story short, he's got herniated disc issue in his back. 
pray for him and God totally heals him. He, he's bending over, touching his toes. He's like, whoa, dude, this is crazy, right? And he's like, thank you, man. You are the nicest person I've ever met in my life. And I'm like, dude, it's just, bro. Because he grew up in the church. So, he, so cause, cause we, I, kept, I kept trying to ask him, what do you think about Jesus? And he's like, well, I grew up and my parents are Catholics and they're super religious. I'm like, no, no, no. And I had to go out around that mountain with him three times. No, I'm asking you, what do you believe about Jesus? Who is he to you? And he just, you know, and so I just told him, I said, bro, what it is, man, is I said, yeah, I do. I am kind and I am a nice person and I do because I have Jesus in me. I said, but bro, you've never probably seen a real Christian, man. I said, I don't want to dog your parents, man, but dude, they probably don't know God. And I'm like, dude, for real. I said, people go to church every day, man, but I mean, dude, you, you've met someone today who, who, who's, who's somewhat like Jesus, man. He's like, wow, whatever. Why did I tell that story? Tell that story because, guys, this is what matters in life. We have this small window of time, God, and er, it's, guys, we have this small window of time, and God is just wanting us to take life serious. Ephesians 5, 16, that we would redeem the time for the days are evil and that we would truly become citizens of heaven and throw away what the earth tells us is right, what the earth tells us we need to do with our finances, what the earth tells us to do with building our credit, whatever the earth tells us to do, we need to count that all as loss and live here and, and know this, because if you don't know this, you're in big trouble because you will wander around life. If you don't read your Bible and just read books by Bill Johnson, you will be deceived. I love Bill Johnson. I've read all of his books. But if you don't know what this says, you're in trouble because this will guide you and anchor you through all of your life. Check this out. And I'm going to close here. We have to live from there and we have to live from here. And we've got to do our best to live in those places 24-7 so that when what looks like a good idea that the world would say, Jesus enters in and says, instead, how about you give your house away? Is that not how it is? The inside, outside, upside down kingdom, Missy Edwards song, where you lose the game? Think about this. Here's some of that. Here's something that's been messing me up. I hope I'm theologically correct. We'll see. I've just been, this is this stuff I've been pro processing through my head. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Da, 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 da. Don't I feed the birds? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and these things will follow you. Well, what's crazy is before he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, these things will follow you, he says, don't think like this. Don't worry about money, food, whatever. That's how the Gentiles think. Some scriptures say that's how the pagans think. Whoa, think like the world and you're a little demonic. <laughs> it's like, whoa, paganism related to not trusting the Lord with your finances. I'm like, oh, then later on, he goes, who do you guys say that I am? We know what happens. Everyone spits out their thing. And Peter goes, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, whoa, Peter, that could not have been taught other than from my father. Surely flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. On that very thing that you just said, I will establish my church, Peter. Good job, buddy. And then Jesus goes into telling them, well, and by the way, I'm really going to suffer and I'm really going to die and it's going to be really bad. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? You're Jesus. Hey, come over here, Jesus. He's like, you're way off, bro. And Jesus, and he's the man who just gave the greatest revelation of all time. That today, why we even have storehouse is because of Peter. And then two minutes later, he's like way off. And Jesus doesn't give him grace. Jesus doesn't go, oh, you're, 
let me teach you, God. You're a little deceived, Peter. No, let me, really, you need to believe me. He's like, get behind me, Satan. But what he says next is crazy. For you are mindful of the things of man, not the things of God. Whoa. He related Satan to him thinking like a human and not a kingdom of heaven, or not, not a kingdom citizen of heaven. Whoa. So what do I want to call you guys into today? Being for real for Jesus. <laughs> what does that look like practically? If the movie is inappropriate and swears, turn it off. Because it's doing nothing but sowing into your flesh and you will reap in your flesh. Bible says so. If the music is not going after Jesus, probably not benefiting you at all. And God would rather have you go after him than chill out and just have listen to this song and relax. You know, some Corey Russell said that I love, and you might think this is crazy for me saying this, but Corey Russell said one time, he said, I'd rather stand before the Lord and be rebuked for legalism than being rebuked for licentiousness. <laughs> Corey's like, I'd rather, you know, and I love Corey to death. And he, I know what he means by that. Cause if you, if you know Corey personally, he's very fun. He's very friendly. He's very jokey. He's very, you know, let's go watch the game kind of guy, you know, but he, but I get what he's saying. He's like, just don't even do that and let the Lord rebuke you and say, Hey, actually that movie was okay. But Hey, it's, you know, Hey, you chose to do me instead. I appreciate that. Versus you watch 7,000 movies that polluted your spirit, right? So what does this look like practically to go after Jesus? Get rid of things that you know are not sowing into Jesus Christ himself who lives inside of you. If the movies you are watching are taking up your time that you could be spending with the Lord or whatever, or investing in your marriage, probably not fruitful, right? If you're spending your time on a hobby, whatever that is, and you're more excited about that than Jesus, it's probably gonna lead you down a path as time goes that isn't very fruitful. And we don't have time for that at all. Because Jesus is coming back soon and he's looking for players on his team, not just Christians who said the prayer one day who every once in a while have a moment in God. Second Chronicles 16, nine, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the entire earth, searching for hearts that are fully his. So, and then some scriptures then go on to say, some versions go on to say this, so that he can show himself strong on your behalf. How many of you want to have the Lord show himself strong on your behalf? Well, Second Chronicles says he wants to, and he's trying to find someone who he can do that for because their hearts are fully his. Amen. I want to call you guys and just being for real for Jesus. And if you're a guy who works 80 hours a week and you're like, what does that look like for me? I want to call you into fellowshipping with the Lord on your drive to work every day. And while you're doing whatever you do at work, you're in a place here with him. And you, you, know, you open up your Bible that morning and say, Lord, give me a scripture to meditate on all day today. And you open up, your, you do one of these numbers. <laughs> I'll spit you out of my mouth. It's like, oh, <laughs> let me find a different one. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Or you got Elijah, like, you know, you land on like 1 Kings 20 and it's like, now that you've won the battle of Mount Carmel, go slaughter all of them at the ocean. You're like, okay, never mind. You know, you both, if it's one of those ones, you know, maybe, maybe it's the Lord, make it work. But I just, want to, I just want to call you into a life of fascination with Jesus where all of a sudden, all of the things in life that you used to just get excited about, 
Not that you can't have fun, not that we can't enjoy life. I love having fun, I love enjoying life, and I have hobbies, I really do. I like coffee, I, I go to coffee, when, when I travel, no, when I do, I do. When I travel, I go to cool specialty coffee shops and that's kind of my thing. I look for the shop in the, in the town and that's what I do. And I go to the gym and I love fitness and those are kind of my two hobbies because you can't, you can't have time for many if you're trying to do Jesus. You know, you pick one and give yourself to that one and then do Jesus, okay? <laughs> and so I want to call you guys into this to where, and I promise you, this isn't like, okay, we're going to shine up and we're going to, in our strength. No, ask the Lord when you leave here, Lord, I want to be for real for you. What are the things in my life, Lord, that, that maybe are, are distracting me? And then the first thought that comes to your mind is always the Lord. <laughs> and you go, okay, Lord, how can I partner with you? Do you want me to completely altogether stop? Do you want me to limit? What do you want me to do, Lord? And begin to partner with him on those small things. And what you'll find is, is because you're partnering with him on those things, you freed up time. And then the Lord gives grace he puts a hunger in you to then go, oh, now because I got that fogginess out of here, I can be free to go after you. But then what's amazing is, is he never will let us do it in our own strength, so he gives us the grace to do it anyways. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, the, like, I'm gonna fast. Well, I'm gonna give you grace to fast. And you're like, oh, so now it's not even really about me because you already gave me grace for it. And the Lord is such a good father because he knows how stupid we are and he knows we're gonna sin. He knows we're gonna do the wrong thing every time. So therefore, he puts his spirit in us and gives us ideas. And we go, oh, I have a great idea. And we think we had a great idea. And God's like, that was actually my idea. <laughs> you know, that was my idea. So go ahead and do it. I want you guys to be excited about Jesus. Who wants to be excited about Jesus? Amen. Let's stand. Who's got gum? I can't lay hands on someone without gum. Everyone's out? Manna. That was from the Lord, huh? <laughs> was that okay, guys? Okay. Worship. Can we have some worship? Maybe not the whole team. I don't like when the whole team comes up because then the team doesn't get prayed for. And then, and then here's what happens. I'm exhausted from praying for everybody. And then it's like the worship team. And then the pastor's like, but the worship team. And I'm like, oh. And then they get, they get the remains and I'm like, very not in it anymore. So let's not have the entire. Amen. <laughs> okay. So Jesus, this is about you, Lord. We want to be a part of your plan, Lord. We want to be found in the storybook that's being written on the earth right now that participated with your plan. More than just our own personal life story that we would then move on to really being ambassadors for the kingdom. Really moving the earth in our prayer time. Really shifting the earth through our fasting. Really actually pushing back darkness when we worship really actually getting people saved to where literally their eternal destiny is changed. God, we want to be partakers of your divine nature. The scriptures say we're all of this, Lord, but we confess, I confess, that I'm nowhere near what the scripture says I can be. We are nowhere near, God, what you said we could be, but we know that with your grace, Lord, you're going to help us. So Jesus, we thank you just lift your hands, Lord, right now. And I want you right now in a 10-second manner, say, Lord, what in my life 
is hindering me from the full excitement that could be there with you. Right now, ask him. And if you feel condemnation, that's the devil. Because he's a good father right now and he's really smiling over you guys and he's really going, look, their hands are raised. That must mean that their hearts are fully mine. I'm gonna show myself strong on their behalf because I said I would. Everyone, wave your hand if you got something right now. You're like, maybe I should chill out on that. I do, right now. <laughs> right now I have something. All right, now give it to the Lord. Say, Jesus, it's yours. And I partner with you on what it looks like, Jesus, to walk that out. Now I'm just gonna lead us in like a declaration prayer and then I'm, and then I'm gonna have, if anyone wants to come forward, you wanna be healed, you wanna be whatever, whatever at all, we'll pray for you. So say, Jesus, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a king and I'm a priest and a queen. <laughs> I wanna be used for your divine plan. I want prayers in that bowl. I want to stand before you and know that I was a part of history. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for grace. I thank you that everything is already available. I don't have to work for any of this stuff. Because you live inside of me and there's no lack in you. Help me, God. Help me be more aware of you. Help me be more aware, aware of how you're speaking to me. I want to change the world. Amen.